Hello, welcome. Welcome back. It's been a while. We're back. It's been not 13 years. It's been a while. This is uh, Violent Shapes, the podcast all about Remedy's video games, which we were doing earlier this year, and then we ran out of Remedy video games, and uh, and then I just pulled up Wikipedia here. I was just thinking about Alan Wake, Yeah. and uh, I found here Alan Wakeman. Oh, that was uh, such, so a, such a guy, yeah? We're going to talk about Alan Wakeman today. He's uh, born uh, October 13th, 1947. English saxophonist, member of Soft Machine. He appeared on the album Softs. Now, Ed, what's your favorite? Obviously, Alan Wakeman has sort of a large discography here. He played as a saxophonist with uh, Pete Aitken, uh, mm-hmm. David Essex, mm-hmm. uh, Graham Collier. Mm. Um, All the big names. Uh, Girls at Our Best. Yeah. Which, uh, the National Youth Jazz Orchestra. He was a hit machine. Uh, Mike Westbrook. Naturally. <laughs> Harry Miller. Big, big Mills. The, the, Don, the Mills Meister. Don, Don Rendell. Oh, the, the, the big, the, the Ren, the Meister General. St- Stan Tracy. Well, everyone knows Stan Tracy. I mean, yeah, Tracers. So, what's your favorite Alan Wakeman? Are you sort of a soft machine guy, kind of a, uh, well, it, you know, not mentioned that like he, the hits, he, he, he did a lot of work with Steely Dan, and uh, that was some of my favorite. Uh, his appearances on Children in Need were something that the whole nation looked forward to, really kind of brought, especially during the, uh, the Falklands conflict, he, uh, he really brought the country together there during a time of time of national strife um now i don't know if you're thinking of the right alan wakeman here because there's also alan wakeman who tragically uh passed away in in 2015 at the age of 79 uh british author playwright vegan and gay rights activist oh good for him him. um who uh he was commissioned to write a serial for the first episode of doctor who Still in development in 1963. Sorry. So is that the Alan Wakeman you're thinking of? No, I'm thinking of the saxophonist Alan Wakeman, who was. Excuse me, can you say that that job title once again? Saxophonist. Yeah. That's how we. That's how we say it in the UK, and that's how that's how Alan Wakeman would have said it. So. By laughing at it, you're bastardizing his memory. He would be, I think he would be spinning in his grave whilst playing the solo from Baker Street. Well, I think maybe you're thinking of Alan Wakeling, an American magician and inventor who tragically passed away in 2004, uh, who uh, worked on the television show The Magic Land of Alakazam, which was sponsored by Kellogg Cereal and aired on CBS every Saturday from October 1st, 1960, before moving to ABC in 1962. 
That was Is a, that who you were thinking of? That was a tragic day when that show moved to ABC. It felt like the end of an era, didn't it? It was like the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, among Wakeling's inventions is at least one distinctive version of the sign a woman in half effect. Uh. The most misogynistic magic trick of all time. Can you think of any more misogynistic magic tricks than sign a woman in half? Answers on a postcard, listeners. If you can think of a more misogynistic magic trick, then send us an email at uh, contact at bulletpointsradiopodcastshowmacarta.com. Uh, Alan Wakeling died peacefully in in hospital in his hometown, so mm. he was not sawed in half. He wasn't sawed in uh, half. No, in a, this is a. I thought this would be a funnier introduction. I would like a different. I would Alan like to. Wakelings. I would like to do an autopsy on a magician, and like reach into his mouth and be like, right, you know, I'm now going to examine a examine like the, the incisors for any sign of decay or something like that and then mm-hmm. and then like pull out a hanky and, <laughs> it keeps going and just keeps coming out and like all like his family are there and everything <laughs> and i'm kind of looking at them like ooh, 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 like that now you're saying he he died of a brain hemorrhage let me just uh i've i've already sawed open his his scalp here and i'm just gonna look inside and What's what's in his uh, skull cavity? Oh, it's a rabbit. Mm. It's a, I pull a rabbit out of his rabbit open out of his skull. His skull that I in front of his face. <laughs> Whatever he thinks it's so fucking funny in real life, in waking yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He loved it when he was alive. Now he's dead. What? It's a problem. Yeah. Now we're gonna get my my friend over here. Mrs. Doctor. Yeah, women can be doctors. I'm going to get her to fucking saw you in half. Mm. See how you like See, Yeah, you think it's so funny when we <laughs> turn the gurney <laughs> into two parts and we turn it to the side? We probably should we just... talk about the game now, shouldn't we? Alan Wake is a game that starts uh, very soon. There is an autopsy. I think that's our way in. Okay. Alan Wake 2 is a the direct sequel to Alan Wake, which came out in 2010, which we talked about, and American Nightmare, which uh, we don't have to really mention again. Um, it uh, it is a uh, yeah, it's the latest by Remedy. It I don't know how to get into this game. I'm just going to put my cards on the table. I think this is a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's really good. I think it's probably my favorite thing I've played this year. Mm-hmm. Um, as skeptical as I am about sort of direct sequels and i thought alan wake one was an interesting idea that didn't quite work and so i was kind of hesitant about this game i think this game is probably the best thing remedy's done since uh max Payne 2 i'd go further i think it's better than max Payne 2 i think it's their their best game after max Payne. um I was also going to point out, actually, when you mentioned that you've been on Wikipedia, we there is actually one remedy game that we haven't talked about, which was their first game, Death Rally. Death Rally, yeah, we never, well, I don't think we ever touched on Death Rally. Um, I when I, I wrote about Alan Wake two, um, and I, I did, I think, put something about like every remedy game, and then in brackets, accepting their debut Death Rally, because <laughs> which, which is a bit, a bit of an outlier, I think is what I called it. Yeah, I mean, Sam Lake wasn't involved on um, uh, Death They didn't rally. bring him in for Death Rally? They didn't bring him in for Death Rally, or Sammy Jarvie, as I, as I should say. 
Um, which doesn't that isn't that just finish for lake? It is finish for lake. Yeah, that's, that's which is uh, that's the pen name. That's that's great. I like that. Um, I I really liked Alan Wake too. I um, not that this is necessarily a, a a very kind of valuable or valid critical point. If we're talking about favorite games of the year, um, I would say I still preferred Amnesia: The Bunker uh, for twenty twenty three. Well, let's hey hey. I know I know save, I know. I'm just I'm just you know. I'm, let's I'm, save some of that. I'm copying when we. I'm copying your ranking. I, I shouldn't have done that. I realized as I was saying it that this is a business that generates millions of dollars a year, and I can't jeopardize that by uh, ruining things. Anyway, it's only November 11th right now, so there's plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of time for a new things could uh, be game. things could change. Uh, but yeah, I mean, of, of the games that I've played this year, or like, you know, new games I've played this year, this this was one of my favorites. Um, not because I I think that everything about it is terrific, um, but I think that it's a it's a it feels like a very long time since I've played uh, you know a super high production value game from a, a major game maker that also has uh, a, a coherent vision and mm-hmm. sort of uh, you know subjectivity and a sort of idiosyncrasy and a personality and it's not necessarily that that I like everything that Alan Wake 2 is or is doing or uh is about but what I what I'm kind of pathetically grateful for is that it does feel yeah kind of kind of cogent and sort of personal and um altered in a way that I think is increasingly rare in games and i this comes with that caveat which is it's a shame that i have to be so grateful that a game like this exists you know this this should be almost like you know the 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 entry level requirement um well i'd I'd, yeah i'd I'd maybe a a little okay maybe maybe a few a few ring rungs above but you know what i mean it's like yeah yeah i mean this is the sort of thing where um, a, a game getting this much attention, I think, should you know should should have this much kind of going on. I think, or, yeah, or, yes, or, yes, sh- yes, yes, and should right. have that kind of like coherence. Like it, it should, you know. I feel silly when we talk about games like I don't know, thinking of stuff. What was like the most popular game last year that everyone lost mm. their minds over? Elden Ring what was. Well, Elden Ring was actually good too. So maybe this is undermining. Elden Ring was also a coherent game. Well, okay, let's take one from this year. Starfield, right? Yeah, no, this is like... Starfield's like a, a toy. It's a yeah. thing you do with your but, hands, and it it doesn't make sense. It isn't coherent. But um, still but still becomes, you know, like a, a, a global hit. I mean, obviously, I, I, I think the reception to Starfield has cooled significantly since its release. Um, yeah, it's... But, it's fine it's one of those things where if that was what video games were being uh, i mean we've had this conversation a bazillion times it's i feel like there's usually one or two games a year where you're like okay this is this is like worthwhile this is why Mm -hmm. you kind of want to keep a uh, some attention on what's going on in games Mm -hmm. um if you're lucky you get one or two and they usually in the last i'd say like five or six years it seems like they haven't often been the the big ones like they're not games that kind of look like this right yeah um 
I suppose it is a little bit premature to start kind of hedging my opinions. Like this is more kind of mid mid show end show stuff. Um, what I do, I, I, I do think there's maybe some value in, in putting this up front though, which is Alan Wake Two is an exceptionally good video game or an exceptionally good kind of like I say, you know, uh, high production value mainstream release. I still think it's of the same kind of like personally it has the same kind of like worth to me as a a relatively mild like Amazon or Netflix miniseries or something. Um I mean yeah okay this is the thing this is the fucking cutting right through the knot kind of thing here is uh someone who you know knows a lot of people who don't play video games and they're like should I get into playing video games? I'm like no they're mm-hmm. you know people who are into art it's saying i think the last one i would say is like play disco elysium that's a that's a good one i think mundown was also quite good and but it's like very rare to put something if you're saying just holding it up against i have you know x hours uh Mm -hmm. kind of free time a day Mm -hmm. that i want to use sort of um on art and entertainment let's put it that way and should i should i be playing like, I, I wouldn't recommend playing Elden Ring in that sense. I, I mm. would think it's... Well, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't recommend, like... You know, I thought, like, Spider-Man 2 was good. Mm. I, I do not think it's a better use of your time than... But this is a... Maybe this is it's a, a, it's, it, it, a conversation it's quite, anyway. It's a kind <laughs> but you know of, what I mean. I, I do know what you mean. And it's, it, it is a kind <laughs> of... It's a slightly kind of bullshit way of looking at things in this sort of, like, very utilitarian, functional... Import, transactional kind of way like it is but I, put, I guess to to redeem it slightly i will say like what i'll say is to more to the point is i don't think alan wake 2 is that kind of thing okay i don't think it's i don't think it's like a disco elysium i don't think sure. it's a uh even like a red dead 2 or mm-hmm. i wrote something for the site metal gear solid 2 i think you're gonna get a lot more kind of out of it that's uh, the static preference though too they're very different games aesthetically but i think they're very similar games in what they're saying um, but yeah, I, I don't I, think it's I, like some towering work of art or something. No, I, I think the reason that I'm starting the conversation with this is because um, I do feel like the the reception to Alan Wake 2 is maybe... Uh, hysterical is not the right word because that sounds judgmental. I think that there's... Well, it's also... Yeah. There's an, there's an element of like gratitude and just kind of sheer relief that I think kind of overwhelms in some cases... Uh, a clearer perspective like it's it's so pleasing there's been this sort of like yeah like i have a puppy right now it's like when you give a puppy a treat has been the reaction to yeah sufficiently well crafted video games this year yeah people just fucking just frothing at the mouth being like you made a resident evil 4 remake that plays well like best year video games yeah 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 yeah, yeah. absolutely people just going bananas for stuff that is just like very i don't know to me is i it sounds so cynical and stuff and i i want to resist cynicism i don't want to fall into that trap constantly as an old man Mm. um but but yeah it feels like people and then alan wake too and it feels like they used up all their superlatives and now have to do nothing more than like egm 1995 like brain exploding Mm. out of a head kind of like this you know, it's it's like sheer. It's like they have to start ripping their clothes off and like um, to communicate. But yeah, I, I do think it's been 
maybe this is a good way to get into this. I thought when I was playing this game, I thought I did not think people were going to like it as much as they did. I thought it was going to be a lot more divisive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a game that's very understandable to dislike. Um, and and I, I think it's odd that we uh, that it's had this sort of like seemingly like kind of like universal praise. Like it's sort of this faultless thing. And I think it's a very kind of like, it doesn't feel like something that is like universal in, um, in terms of like how it presents itself. Mm-hmm. And to me, one of the things that I thought was striking about it when I was playing it, I was like, and then I kind of got this a little bit in the, the piece I wrote, but it's like, this is anti kind of mainstream game in a lot of senses where say you're playing, I always feel this way. Like say you're playing, um, Oh Christ, I have no ability to think beyond the last month. Uh, let's say Starfield again. Say you're playing Starfield. You start it up, you're like playing the half hour, the first half hour or so, and you're like, what's the, uh, we've been trained now. What's the loop? Mm. What's the loop in mm-hmm. this game? Mm-hmm. How, when I sit down to play this game for an hour, how does it use that hour? Like, mm. is it, I, so at Starfield, it's like I, I walk around, I wander around, I find a mission I want to do. I go to where that mission is. Uh, I explore and read some things. I have a gunfight. I grab up all the stuff. I go back. I sell what I don't want. I get some XP. I level up. And then I do that again and again. Mm-hmm. And games are, I think, obsessed with keeping you in this mm-hmm. sort of like, uh, kind of like mild painkiller level of just it's- like... It's comfortable, right? Like I, I, I don't mean to cut across you. It's what I, no, I, no. I can remember kind of if we're talking, I don't know, maybe sort of like 2010, 2011, when games kind of, um, there was a, a, a much more public discussion about the sort of creation and the sort of psychology behind games. And it's what started to be called flow. Yeah, right. And I, I it, the word flow sounds kind of... Um, for, for want of a better word, you know, it sounds like it sounds like positive and sort of meditative. And actually, I think that it's a, it's a euphemism for something that's really quite not exactly sinister, but just so like artistically such a dead end for both the the game maker and for the player. Yeah, I, I think it's like so many things that kind of get abused until they're you you become sick of them. In games, it's it's a tool. Right. Mm. It's like if that's the experience you want is this kind of because it, it also has a function, I think, of kind of shutting off your brain a little bit, too. Like there is when entertainment is like very easy to just like stuff down your face, even if it's good, you do kind of like get into this rhythm where you're just kind of like in a cocoon, you know, mm-hmm. um, whereas like we were just talking before this started, like uh, Bologna, like you're reading his stuff and and you'll you'll get into uh you'll be reading like a story and you're like oh i get the kind of like this is like a sort of coming of age kind of thing here about this young poet and blah 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 i get this and then he'll give you that for maybe 100 pages and then he's going to grab you by the shoulders and spin you around and say okay now you're dealing with this yeah and so it kind of like shocks your system and says now i'm like mentally re-engaging again um and mainstream games i think have they see that as a something to be ironed out not as something to be Mm -hmm. used Mm -hmm. so this is all a way of getting to the point where of saying that i think alan wake 2 i think what's so interesting about it is that it is 
seems to me like it's determined to wrong foot you for like a long period of time. Um, when your piece talks about this too, like narratively, it, it very much does this, but also just mechanically, like it's, I think, you know, like you're, you're doing an autopsy and then you're fighting and then you're talking for a long time. And I, I, I absolutely like, so I think about the, the opening, maybe two hours of it, which, which really, really, really impressed me. I, I, I love the opening two hours. Um, I think I, I actually, there's maybe a couple of points further down the road that kind of reach the, the, the same heights. But I think that it that the game might kind of equal itself, but doesn't get better than the opening couple of hours. Where you know mm-hmm. you, you begin as uh, what's his name Nightingale, you know, like crawling out of that swamp in the night, and you're you're naked. And it, this sounds like a this sounds like a kind of um, maybe a sort of trivial, even kind of um, like humorous point to make. But I. I I think it's true, and I think everyone who played it would have felt it. There's something immediately kind of attention-grabbing that you're playing a game as this kind of like heavy-set, balding man with no clothes on. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when have we ever seen that kind of like body even in a in a video game or that kind of like character in a video game? So there's that, and you don't really know what's going on, and then, you know, you, you die, and then you cut to playing a saga, and you're with... Alex Casey slash Sam Lake slash James McCaffrey slash Max Payne. <laughs> Max Payne. Yeah. yeah. And there's like all of these questions circling around that. And there's like great kind of walking through the woods while you're talking to one another. You examine the body. You go back to town. You kind of experience the town. You go and get coffee. You interview that couple. You go to the sheriff's office. There's the fantastic like autopsy scene where, yeah, he, you know, gets off off the table. The sheriff suddenly disappears into thin air. Um, and then there's some combat more or less for the first time and then you go back to the woods and you know it's like later in the day now it's kind of darker and the the combat is is becoming kind of more frequent and then you sort of cross over into this other dimension and now you're fighting the guy that you were playing as you know maybe an hour or so earlier and that is in the first two hours right that's just kind of and uh, yeah you mentioned metal gear solid 2 earlier on uh last week it was i replayed the first metal gear solid which uh, i messaged you i think late the other night being like i think this is actually the best game uh i i i've ever played is still metal gear solid and what i kind of felt when i was playing that was what we're talking about here where you know it's like the dock then the heliport then the darpa chief and it's just like so much so many kind of like new characters, new ideas, new scenarios, like inventive kind of set pieces, new locations. Mm-hmm. Um, that even though the, the the gameplay or the mechanics is or whatever you might want to term it, are very kind of simple and, and sort of repetitive in a way, that is completely irrelevant and like totally unimportant because you are. Con- it, it, it's that it's that when Valve is at their best, right? Where you've got like you, you know you take Portal, which is like mechanically as simple as it can really get but it constantly puts you in a new in a new room like literally in a new set piece um mm-hmm. resident evil 4 uh, i'm talking more about the original where you know the mechanics are aim down the gun sights and kill the enemies and it re- really is like basically that like it's not even like the puzzles or anything particularly in, in re4 but it's just like constantly in a new place against new enemies against new characters against new and it's it's kind of evidence to me that this sort of pursuit of like mechanics, like oh, make interesting mechanics, make make complex mechanics, make engrossing mechanics, is is like BS. It, it, that's not what makes, or at least for me, it's not what makes a game. No, it's it's compelling not at all. 
I mean, the, the fact is, too, like, <laughs> I was thinking about this, like, my favorite games typically are, like, PS3, 360 era shooters, you know? Like, I'm realizing that at this point of, like, give me, like, a six-hour game that's sort of fast-paced and, um, and and ideally tells a story that's interesting or something. And those are the games where very much, like, uh, all you're doing is you're just shooting. You're just shooting targets. Like, when you think about it, it's you're clicking on things to make them disappear. Yeah. Just over and over and over and over and over. But it's... It's how you do that. It's like I, I think about the uh, Gears of War thing of, uh, and I think it was like I think it was a Tim Rogers essay from way back talked about this too, and it's it's uh, articulates it really well. Might be on the action button if people want to find it. Um, but like you have these interactions of your shooting and your chainsawing, and then you get to a place where you see how like the level design is working to take these things and use them and explore how you can use them and it's like that that part where you uh i think it's like his dad's mansion or whatever mm-hmm, like the lab mm-hmm. underground where you you come up you take it it's like being held by the monsters you kill all of them and go in and then you have to defend it and mm-hmm. it's like this great thing of like you don't need some you, you know, you don't need to be picking up planks and nailing them onto walls or, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. starting up generators and doing all sorts of stuff. You just need, like, pretty basic stuff. Like, you went up a hill, now you fought up a hill, now other people are going to try to fight up the hill, and you hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of do these things. And, I mean, narrative is, is that writ large, right? Like, if you have interesting things to look at and to think about as you're doing these things, like... I don't know, but people also think about games in different ways. Like, I think someone, yeah, maybe they want to play Mario or something because they want to be doing mechanically, like you know, they, challenging they stuff, t- timing and rhythm and blah blah yeah. blah. That that, um, that that to me is yeah, that's I think like, antithetical to what I want in games. In you know, personally, yeah, I I, yeah. Th- I think privately, <coughs> and I you know, I don't think I've made much secret of it in the past. Um, I do think one is superior to the other. Kind of one, if, if we were to kind of like separate games into two types, I do think that one is is superior to the other. But for the sake of argument and for the sake of like smoothness here, I, 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 I'm not saying that with any judgment. I just prefer you know this this type of game that, that Alan Wake Two is, and I think that actually when the game is at its weakest is when it becomes sort of mechanics led, when you're having to do the kind of uh, you know moving the lights around. And um, yeah, doing the you know the rewriting on the keyboard and this kind of stuff. When it becomes, when like Alan stops talking, basically, mm. and mm-hmm. the sort of narration drops out, and you're you haven't met or talked to a character for maybe fifteen minutes, um, and it's just you and the enemies. That to me is when it's at its weakest because, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just not I'm, I'm not a mechanics guy. I guess I. I, I want the mechanics that kind of make the premise sing, which is why Gears of War, which you, you know you were talking about, I think just works perfectly because the, the mechanics just make the premise come to life. And I think actually for the most part that's true of this game. You know, I'm, I'm talking about it with with like a very kind of moderate um, praise, but actually no, I I think that this is a a, a terrific game in terms of moving you through you know an exciting place to place to place to place um, 
I've got a question though, actually, um, that might yeah. give us a little, yeah. more, a little bit more form. <clears throat> talking about like binaries here. Um, I'm, assu- I'm going to assume that everyone who's listening to this has played the game, but nevertheless, the game is kind of separated into two, two kind of parallel narratives. One where you play as an FBI agent, Saga, uh, who's investigating the area of, of Bright Falls in what is, with a few asterisks attached, what is the real world. And then you play as Alan in the kind of metaphorical alternate dimension dark place. Which bits did you prefer, is my question. Hmm. I think the Saga stuff, actually. Me too. Uh, overall. Yeah. I think the Alan stuff, and this might go back a little bit to also to what you were saying. I mean, the Alan stuff has the more interesting FMV stuff, right? Like where it's, you have the uh, the photography and like the diaries from his wife and you have the, the awesome, uh, what's the movie called? The short film you eventually watch. The Finnish uh, film. Two- I forget the name because, yeah. It's like Yotin Yo or something. Something like that. Yotin Yu, um, which it, we should talk about that again later. That's actually fantastic. That, uh, yeah, that that to me was maybe the highlight of the game. Um, but yeah, but I think the the Alan like the New York stuff is sort of a bit more repetitive visually. I think when it sings, it really sings in those parts. Like when you have there are certain parts in the hotel that are. Uh, great in terms of like nightmare visuals um like when you're when you're tracking down uh scratch and you get to the 666 door and it's yeah uh Mm -hmm. touchstone of everything metal gear solid but it's it's approaching the ninja levels of sort of just uh uh just (laughs) like larger than life gore everywhere um and some of the cult visuals with like uh when they have like the little auditorium set up to like warship you know the cult of the word and everything mm-hmm. i think that stuff's strong but i think the saga stuff overall is um i don't know i just it's it's a little easier to i think to grasp onto her as a character in this which i yeah. think was was very much why they i i think is when you look at the problem of this game of how you kind of tell this story you need saga to saga to um to be that more immediate like what she's like i need to figure something out here alan is very much like figuring something out but he's also trying to get somewhere um a boring version of this game would just be him you know going through uh this like noir york city kind of place and solving those puzzles saga though it's like the stuff with her kids uh with her kid i think is very interesting mm-hmm. and like her figuring out like you know her relationship to tor and odin and i just think there's a lot of like there's just a lot of propulsion to her plot. There's it, a lot of stuff you are invested in figuring out. It was it was interesting to me. It was kind of surprising, I guess, in terms of um, when I think about the sort of the 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 proposals, if you like, of the two worlds, right? Because Alan is in this this alternate dimension where, like you were saying, you know, the, the environment changes and you get the six six six. That that was a great sequence, by the way. I, I think the hotel bit was his best part. Yeah, that was my favorite part of it. There was that great, there's the great kind of musical number as well, which is like, it's a, 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 a really fantastic flourish. And some of the, the live action stuff with him is great, like watching him on the talk show and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of like, yeah, like a proper kind of like, you know, you're, you're totally, just like a normal level, as it were, the, the hotel stuff is great. There's that fantastic bit where you change it to like devil or whatever. And it's like blood all over the corridors. And it's really, yeah. like it takes a lot to get to me, I think at this point, after so many years of like movies and get whatever. 
just like the amount of blood and the amount of bodies and there's just like well, a yeah, it's... really fucking like oppressive atmosphere all of a sudden. Um, you knew, th- yeah, not to cut you off too much, but you knew they had it in them. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. I think there's they've some... always like when when I yeah for that wired thing I talked to Sam Lake and I was kind of saying like you guys always had this, you were always going to do this right like that that kind of the the like gore the the extreme gore like they they're they make violent games but I think their use of gore has always been very uh, kind of deliberate um, in terms of like the out or the uh, like the max pain like the blood trails and stuff and. Uh, yeah, sorry, mm-hmm. it's kind of an aside. I, th- I think there's something as well, like within me, that the idea of like the devil gets to me at some level, and it's not even like in a in a religious sense. I just uh, anyway. Um, so what I was saying was that of of the two kind of universes or the two kind of uh, the, the the two kind of setups, I would have expected, I guess, the the Alan stuff to be the more kind of like aesthetically and visually and sort of like environmentally stimulating because it's this world where like. You know anything can happen and, and, it, and it changes and it's vivid and it's you know um aneric and, and all of this kind of stuff but actually i found myself much more not just kind of you know immersed in a sort of like again like mechanical sense but just the environments of the saga stuff i think that what they did and i, I do you remember the section in uh watery where you go to the coffee world theme park yeah yeah, they managed to pick this this time of day that is somehow so evocative, where it's it feels like it's kind of like autumn, and it's maybe like five six o'clock, and it's just on the cusp of you know yeah. day and dark, and you're arriving at this place that feels like maybe forty five minutes ago there were other people here, and it's like just a kind of alive, but now it's totally empty, and they just I. The, the the weather and the lighting and it just it feels like walking around something that I've never felt like a kind of absence of people so profoundly I think in in a game as I, as I did in that section they did a fantastic job I don't know exactly how you capture this because it's such a kind of a, like a, ephemeral abstract thing but such a fantastic job of, of making a place that feels like it was recently alive and now isn't. And there's something kind of profoundly eerie about that. Yeah, um, it's also the... I mean, the, one of the only other games I can think of off the top of my head that gets that same thing is the first two Max Payne games have right. that feeling of like everyone the, has just left. Yeah, like the, sub, the, the subway or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they do a really great job with this as well in... In the opening saga stuff, the in in the woods, which is uh, what's it, Cauldron Lake is 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 what it's called. Uh, the way that the yeah. game the game opens and it feels like you can really smell that forest, and it's got that kind of like five thirty five forty five a.m. You know, just mm-hmm. have your first coffee, and there's that kind of crisp air. And I'm I'm, I'm talking about this stuff that is it, it it it's relatively simple, like you know, environment and aesthetics and and whatever. But I got a sense of like place and time and like scent. I think more than I ever have in any other, even like in Red Dead Two, which is like a, a really great kind of landscape game. Um, I really felt in those 
places. And it's not. Be- I'm not saying that this is impressive because I'm one of like. I'm not like some big like William Wordsworth guy who thinks like nature is this really <laughs> powerful metaphor and I love nature. It's more that it just grounds, you know, the human drama. Like I, it's it's like tactile. I feel like this character is in somewhere that I have been and feels uh, like plucked from something recognizable in my own memory. And it just made the whole, all of the, even though some of the dialogue is, is quite sort of hackneyed, even though some of the interactions are, are relatively, you know, predictable, even though the influences are very, very clear, just because it's got this terrific sense of kind of place and time, it, it lifts everything else up really, really well, highly. The, yeah, two points of that as well, like the, I mean, a lot of things, like the woods at night in this game, I think are frightening yes like they, not, not like i'm i'm going ah the whole yeah, time yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. but just they have a great sense of this is very dark and yeah. there are things watching you and uh you know which is something a lot of horror games try to capture i think this game does very well just with the the lighting and everything too um but the town of watery itself when you're sort of in that chapter where you're uh uh, Saga is kind of like, I'm going to go to Watery and kind of figure some things out uh, before mm. she goes to the theme park when mm. she goes to the trailers and she sees her trailer, which, you know, she is also doesn't understand like why she's technically from there, but she isn't. Um, the, the trailer park and the little community center, it just, um, you know, and, and as someone too, who's not from the West coast of this continent, if been out west but it it captures this small town feel when she goes into like the community center and and Ati is singing this uh finnish song um on this little stage and there's some old people <laughs> aren't mm-hmm. they like they're they've been driven in for a day trip from mm-hmm. a nursing mm-hmm. home um but just that that sense too of there's this kind of this this mid-afternoon kind of like weekday drizzly kind of it's, it's just everything it complements what's going on with the characters i think mm-hmm. very well um they do that very well and also that that really intense uh i think it's is it sunrise or sunset i think it's sunset it's kind of like gloaming uh when they find lake mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. or when they find wake <laughs> sorry yeah, yeah, yeah uh when he's coming out of the lake uh after the the fight with nightingale and it has that really intense like orange light and it's it's very eerie and you know this transitional thing like it's just whatever it's it's the kind of thing that you expect people who are artists to be like what's happening in the story how should the the look of what's happening reflect what's happening uh in the plot mm-hmm. and it's just you know it's it's one of those things it's just obviously considered and it uh it goes a really long way i think mm-hmm. um, yeah and, and there's so much more of that in the the saga stuff i think uh the wake stuff, I think, looks really striking when you first encounter it, but it it kind of yeah, it, it's just not quite as much variety to it. Exactly, yeah. You you're kind of, I mean, literally, right? It's you go into like four or five different buildings that are in the same sort of imagined, you know, city center, town square kind of thing. Um, yeah, you tell me the last time you played a game that's got like a huge section set in a retirement home. Uh, that's, no, that's no, really good. And again, that that sort of like. It's a pretty sweet retirement home, to be honest. It is. It is, yeah. It's It's not bad in there. I I mean, aside from the the underground ghost woman. I hadn't really thought about it too much, I guess. 
I'd felt it but not really thought about it but it is that feeling of visiting places that ought to be or perhaps recently were full of life and now aren't and there's yeah there's that kind of like profound absence of people um okay let me try to think of like some other talking points here because i feel like there is there is quite a lot i so i like the i, I prefer the stuff with saga to the stuff with with alan um okay i think maybe i'm trying to think of something else that i liked i, I don't this i can think this is me, like, all over, I guess. I can think quite easily of the stuff I didn't like, but I don't want to just go into that because there's, there's, there's far too much that I did enjoy. Um, how about, like, characters? I mean, when I say what, yeah. was, what was, like, a favourite character, I don't mean, you know, in a sort of, like, poster-on-the-wall sort of way, but, you know, it, it, like, no, na- no, no, narratively, no. dramatically. Like, who did you find really kind of, kind of interesting? Uh, I actually really liked... I liked the Koskela. Koskela? Yeah, they're great. Yeah, how you pronounce it? Yeah. The brothers. I think they are uh, peak kind of remedy. Yeah. It's like you see Ati show up again and you're like, oh, that's nice. I mean, we should talk to you about the connected universe stuff because I have kind of mixed feelings about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see Ati show up and you're like, well, that's, you know, I like that guy. He's, I think he's probably my favorite part of Control. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's, he's just a really interesting character you just like listening to him and watching him um and i was like oh they're gonna kind of reuse him for the same kind of like that like remedy sense of humor but then you get the Cascello brothers um who are fantastic and are actually extremely important to the plot too and Mm -hmm. their like fate in the game i think is actually heartbreaking Mm. um and and that was actually you know in terms of like i don't put so much store in twist but i like a twist i think if a twist and also if a twist factors in you know uh, overall like in an important way then then good on you for finding it um but the the kind of twist with them of organizing you kind of think like oh these guys are pieces of shit like they're uh they're kind of like scammers and stuff and you know in kind of like a, a rascal kind of way with their different you know what, what do they sell they have beer coffee they have uh yeah, the coffee. They have one that's kind of oh yeah. When they'll do, they'll take you on like hunting guides. Yeah, yeah. They'll take you where the government doesn't want you to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that stuff, like you know, them being kind of positioned, you find out they're responsible for leading this cult and everything, and then you find out that they're actually just trying to protect the town. They're essentially like a neighborhood watch kind of thing, and mm-hmm. they're playing with like pagan symbology, which I thought was very clever. You know, we're scared of it, and they're saying like, "Yeah, no, let's make it. Let's make the woods scary." Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's also, you know, you get the little the thing in there, and I don't know, maybe it's just 2016 pilled or something. But like when they're like, "Make the woods scary again," and then you mm-hmm. have these small town white guys who are killing people who are coming in, you get this resonance like, "Yeah, it's kind of eerie, small town, too many guns kind of feeling going on here." Um, but I, I just thought they were great, and I like that actor a lot too. Um, it's, I'm, uh, I, I think he was, he was in Vikings. He played yeah. King Harold in Vikings, which is a show I like, despite a lot of things about it that suck. I think it's. I'm trying to think of one of the last times that like Remedy properly made me laugh, which they are very capable of doing. Like there's there's some funny stuff in in their games. Um, but like control was not a funny game. Um, I don't really remember having a chuckle at Quantum Break. 
Um, but the, uh, the, the, the the first time you see a little finger pop up. Oh yeah, face. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the 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 Coskiller brothers, like their TV adverts, are genuinely funny. Like it's it's, I think the funniest stuff that Remedy have, have done. Um, and yeah, just such a kind of fun dynamic where yeah, one of them's this like overly enthusiastic kind of like used car salesman, and the other one's this slightly withdrawn, you know, uh, sort of very phlegmatic um introvert and it yeah they have such a great dynamic um i i also liked i mean I, it feels a little bit strange talking about the live action stuff because it feels like that's not the game but the, the the game does i think labor the idea that and i think what makes it so quantum break has this right where it's like you know even control has this where you know there's the live action sections and there's the the game sessions. Quantum Break makes the division really, really clear. Where it's like literally yeah, the yeah. TV series and the game. Control sort of amalgamates them a little bit more. Uh, Alan Wake then even more so. But I think Alan Wake is the first time where it feels like it has a, a truly sort of like thematic yeah benefit, if you like, because you know this is a game that's you know about a sort of like identity crisis and and you know competing realities and being torn between versions of yourself and all of this kind of stuff that I'm sure, you know, will will appear in the in, in the issue that we publish on, on the game. And that that really lends itself to this, you know, it, it adds to that the the Mr. Door character, his kind of like uncanniness is sort of heightened by the fact that you only encounter him in in live action. Um, Alan Wake's kind of like, you know, competing personalities. There's like live action him, there's game him. Um, and it's the first time that I think that, yeah, that, that sort of remedy flourish of, of doing like live action stuff feels sort of, yeah. Like, like really like necessary? A, necessary, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Feels necessary and not just, yeah. not just a kind of thing. Because control has like you know those those are themes that pop up in it a bit like the you know identity and and sort of determining what like who you are in the face of these like changing circumstances. To me, Alan Wake, it, it again it's a bit of a side note, but it is also really interesting to watch uh, a game studio essentially work on the same themes and mm-hmm. come to different places with it, them, and absolutely explore them from different yeah. genres, yeah. Um, and, and keep finding different things about it. Like there's there's a lot you can go back to the first Max Payne of like what am I? Like who am I? And this Max Payne a- too, I think, delves a lot into the idea of like even within genre, like, well, here's the murder cop, the the revenge cop, and then like who is he now? Mm-hmm. It's all broken and it's all and then you have in that one the um ah shit, what's it called? The T V show. Uh Address, the Twin Peaks. Address Unknown. Yeah. Which, you know, this this Alan Wake Two is very much address unknown, right? Mm, it's, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And but then, you, you look at these things like the idea. Oh, sorry. I, no, I, I was going to say uh, what what you're describing. Um, of all places, I saw something on Twitter where it was like, I don't know who it was who, who who posted it, but it was something like, you know, people ask, do you need to play Alan Wake One to play Alan Wake Two? No. You need to play Max Payne One, Max Payne Two, Quantum yeah, Break, Control, yeah. and although that maybe prohibits some people from kind of enjoying it, which is a which is a shame. Like you were saying, I like it much more for that because I think to it's very rare that you get 
any game where to sort of appreciate it at its at its full value, you need to play the the entire kind of ove of of that studio. There's you know that shared universe stuff that we're going to come to. There's the sort of annoying element there where you, where you feel like you know they're just kind of like artificially trying to build their own kind of MCU from a sort of like profit margin perspective, which is you know a, a little kind of depressing. But at the same time, there are there are elements of that kind of like universe sharing that feel, you know, kind of literarily very apt. Like the presence of that Max Payne figure does a lot for this game. It, like it, it, it makes it work on all of the levels that it's trying to work at. And actually, even some of the control stuff feels, you know, it's, it's not just choppered in in the way that like a mid credit scene is choppered no. in. To, to, to build on the next kind of product um, and you can like maybe like Kojima or someone else like that but it's, it's not there's not many like games or game makers where you can kind of trace right this is what they were thinking in 2001 this is how they've kind of built on those observations in 2003 this is where they were with it in 2010 whereas with this I think you can like I think you can trace the sort of like you know the kind of artistic aspirations and the, and the sort of investigations that the writers of this game are doing all the way back to, you know, 22 years ago. And there's something very gratifying about seeing that, you know, reach, reach another conclusion. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, I think Kojima comes to mind a lot with, uh, with this kind of stuff. I think the difference is that even Remedies, like, you know, their biggest missteps which I think are probably American Nightmare and, and Quantum Break are the ones that kind of feel the less sort of the least sort of necessary are still within there, there's a lot more redemption to what they're trying to do than I think you look at you know Kojima there, there's to me a sort of dark period between like Metal Gear Solid 3 well 4 is whatever is, is partially redeemable I think but not overall but you kind of look at this dark period between that and like death stranding where it seems like someone who has been smothered by the the commercial necessities of what he's doing Uh um i think remedy has navigated that fairly well again like the the expand alone and the uh microsoft funded it's a tv show and a video game like you you could definitely see like uh like they kind of you know, they, they weren't quite able to salvage what were maybe pitches that, that were uh, just too far afield mm-hmm. of, of being able to, to make it work. Um, but yeah, you very much do see this, this thing of grappling with these same questions. And also in, I think, the, the larger artistic similarities, I think they're both uh, studios. And uh, also when you look at, you know, the... the the big names at the top of the list of Kojima and, and Lake in both cases are artists, I think, and writers who are preoccupied with the idea of like, what is, how are, how can you be a person mm. in the 21st century, essentially, um, you know, in the late 20th century as well. But the stuff we kind of talk about, and to me, Alan Wake too, I think is the fullest mm. investigation of this for them. And it's, it's how, how do you, how do you live in this kind of like, surreal reality where everything is shifting around you constantly Mm. and and you can never get your feet on the ground properly and like how do you 
guide yourself through that. And also I think Alan Wake is interesting too as a, and how do you make art in that environment as well? Mm -hmm. And to me is written by someone who, uh, in Kojima, you can see he is, he doesn't want to be a narcissist, but he is a narcissist. I think, Mm -hmm. I think Sam Lake in his writing, you see that he, (laughs) he, really doesn't want to be a narcissist i think he, he kind of are, he, he recognizes that sort of artistic narcissism and then satirizes it um, yeah exactly or or he's afraid of it or he's yeah. like if i am if i am being like this i need to be aware of it and yeah. reject it but he he, um, he satirizes himself you know he, quite he does and thoroughly it's, in the it's game. uh a hundred percent which is so interesting and and so often like i would that would buck me from this mm-hmm. if, if it's too cute or it's too like like listen i don't i'm not in this like if you're telling me a story i need it to be a story for everyone not just people who like know you or or know about this one person yeah 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 um but i and and i think you you get a sense at some points it's like oh no it's this is becoming a bit too much of like the remedy show or the sam lake show but it I think it, it pushes back against that and it validates why it's doing all of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's doing it as a way to, yeah, like the thing talking about that tweet, it's Alex Casey uh, being Alan Wake's character, but also being this presence in the game and this melding of, of Lake himself as the face. And I think you put it really well in your essay, like sort of the, it makes perfect sense why Alex Casey has to be the one who's sort of like, been kind of perverted by all of this and and has to be cleansed at the end right Mm -hmm. he has to be you have to be free of him and he is he is this manifestation of history uh artistic history and and sort of like self-obsession and everything you go back to you know and then you get lake like doing the the alan wake face on the tv show and it's him saying like i did like maybe this was a joke at one point and then it became something that's like celebrity and then I don't want this and, and, or, or there's, there's more to explore than myself here. Like mm-hmm. let's, I don't want to be winking at the camera all the time. Mm. Um, even if that can be fun, you know, like anyway. Yeah. Sorry. I hope well, that makes sense. I'm no, absolutely. Like it does. Like, I, I think that, yeah, no, I think that there is like a, a, a part of this game, which is kind of um, sort of exercise, how to put it, exercising the devil of, celebrity almost right um mm-hmm. and there's that there's that scene where you actually find sam lake himself kind of tied to the chair oh yeah yeah yes. and you're like you're gonna yep. stab him with a knife and then and then he runs off and sort of takes him and you never see him again like that's it um and there's something to be said about i think that's the first time he's appeared in the game in a game as himself and it's like a comedy moment and then he disappears and I would, I would, I would like to think that that never comes back up. I'd like to think that they never do that joke again and never reference it again or anything like that. And it's like a kind of just a throwaway moment where he's going to be like the center of attention. You're going to stab this guy, and then he just disappears, and that's the end of it. I, I really hope that that's where they leave it. Um, and that's in a wake section too. Yeah, exactly. Right? It is. Yeah, it is. which seems important. Mm-mm. Shit, is, is, it? is it? No, I think it might. I think it Isn't must it with um like the prop knife. Yeah, and... in the back at the back of the theater, right? Yes, it is. It's in a. It is. It's in a. Yeah, it's wait because it's the yeah. theater there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So, 
I'm trying to think of. It feels a little bit. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's something that I didn't like about it. We'll leave that for a second. Um, it feels a little bit reductive. Not exactly reductive. The, the combat in this game, you know, and trying to talk about that in a, in a not sort of like IGN kind of way. Uh, I I appreciate seven out of ten combat. Seven out of ten combat. Good gun feel. Actually, I, I am a mm-hmm. sucker for like fucking gun feel discussions. Um, I can appreciate the shine a torch on them, blast away the shadows thing, like metaphorically. I know that it's a hangover from the first game. I also I'm not against trying to put you know a sort of gimmick on shooting and killing in games. I think that the combat in this game is better. Or would be better if you just didn't have that. It's a great fucking handgun, a great double barrel shotgun, but pissing about with the light thing. Um, and it's, it's, I felt like the, the, the game is like quite inconsistent with that mechanic. Sometimes you shine the light on them and, and like they just vanish. Yeah. Sometimes you shine the light. I mean, that's a different enemy. Well, that, that stuff I do like a lot in the, that's in the Alan Wake sections where there are, a lot of shadows and some of them are enemies and some aren't yeah and they're just sort of around you and you don't know whether to pick a fight with them or not which yeah. is which seems like something that someone would have forced them to remove mm. and said this is going to confuse people mm. but it's such a good thing of that's how this is alan's mind right like this is he doesn't know what the threats are and what they aren't and, mm. and it's it also gives this great like disorientation as a, as a player of being like Especially when it's a survival horror and you don't have, uh, you have to actually kind of think about your ammo and stuff, and and do you want to engage with these things? Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think the combat is kind of inconsistent. I don't think it. I think guns feel pretty good. Um, I think you can tell they didn't want to do a lot of combat in this game. I think it it's, sort of de-emphasized. It's so cut down from, from the first game, but right? then there's. Yeah, and then but then it's like the kind of weird thing. Like the Nightingale boss fight is pretty good, I think, in terms of it's it's not a great boss fight, but I like Nightingale in that. Like mm-hmm. he's he's weird, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it's, mm-hmm. and it's like frightening, and that's good. And and similarly with the uh, the underground uh, ghost ghost the, woman, the woman, yeah. But like the one where you're fighting like the two racist cops. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it, it. Just some of that kind of feels like uh like these are just kind of in here to to punctuate something. Punctuate it, yeah. I that's the one where they keep coming up out of the well, isn't it? Um, yeah, and like the you know the the sequence is pretty is pretty fun in certain ways. The, rock, but the trappings the, are fun, and yeah, the rock music thing, which is it's a little bit too both borrowed from the first game. Um, yeah, and. I one of the things that did bother me about this game I feel like Sam Lake or someone at Remedy really loves those musician guys uh, and wants us to really love them too and yeah, I, and I, I, don't, uh, I don't I can't feel the I way you feel uh, yeah I can't feel the way you feel I'm not that interested in tour and um, yeah. you know it kind of reminds me of the uh, the band that they always use to the Poets of the Fall yeah it's like some uh, finished. Well, that's them. Band. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. The, That's the the old gods, right? Yeah, the old gods of Asgard is the the in game name of Poets of the Fall. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of like <laughs> when you'd watch Jackass and they were like CKY and uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 what was Bam's one? Also a Finnish band, I think. Uh, uh, him, his infernal majesty. Yeah, yeah, the the hardogram, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's like they're not terrible but it's like this is <laughs> it's like like a friend of yours has a band that's like pretty good mm. but they're not great but you love them because you're like they're also just great guys yeah you know? so I don't, I don't care if they're great guys like yeah, yeah. like this is this is going out more the one thing that did annoy me in that musical scene and i assume those were the actual like musician guys mm-hmm. but they're not playing those instruments how no which i don't get get them to play the instruments they're like you know there's like a part where he's like doing a solo and he's just like running his hand up and down the fretboard like nonsense mm. he's like not i don't know whatever um is that what we were talking about? i'm <laughs> trying to of the fall we're talking about poets of the fall um which is like an in joke that i think the game also tries to get you in on and yeah uh i don't i don't quite buy it i'm not i'm not really Oh, I like Tor and Odin as characters. I think they're they're fun characters. I, I, I um, it felt a little bit. It felt I I kept thinking of Major Zero in MGS Four, where this character Tor like yeah like, he's, like knowing everything he knows everything and he's your granddad and he becomes this really kind of central figure this guy who was like the comedy you know the comic relief character in the first game. And it's, it's a relatively, it feels like they ought to just be sort of peripheral to the story. And the game suddenly seems to decide that actually is one of the most fundamental characters. Um, and there's, you know, I, I'm sure there's someone from like a screenwriting school who could maybe explain to me why this doesn't feel quite right. But he, he doesn't feel kind of bedded in <laughs> by the time, you know, it's no, sort of, it sort of no, says like, he's your granddad. It's like, okay. Uh, we've not really like we've not really put the groundwork in to get to that bit. there's okay so maybe this is also a time to talk about this connected universe stuff because that was one thing where i was like this is a bit too again also a metal gear thing this is a bit too neat I, mm-hmm. you yeah have all yeah these, totally these yes. different colorful yes. characters and then it's like hey they're all related yeah kind of thing or the thing with I think the game kind of hints as well that Saga is probably Mr. Dor's daughter. daughter. Yeah, yeah. Which, sure. But then also, it's like, and then her granddad is, is it Tor or Odin? It's Tor, right? It's Tor. Um, like that kind of thing. And it's like, it's it's a bit much. Like, mm-hmm. But then again, you do kind of want her like embedded in this town. Like that is kind of part of it is is that she is from this place and i do like the function of tor and odin as being sort of they're like kind of like ati type characters right where they're kind of like a little bit like they are disconnected from they time are and place they are arty type characters but you've already got arty i know um this is this is like a bullshit uh brand of discussion where you start talking about well if i had made the game here's what i would have done but I would have, yeah, yeah. I would have, I would have had her interact with, like Mister Door, you know, not Mister Door, but you know the the wall in door, like the guy who is Mister Door in Alan Wake's world. 
would have some sort of like physical presence in in Bright Falls. Um, and you isn't would... this also a thing too with like um, it's good. It's very good that they have a black woman main character, but then you also have this thing where it's like, again, another Metal Gear thing. Uh, what's his name from three? Is the DARPA chief, right? Sigant, yeah. Uh, yeah, Sigant is the DARPA chief because there's only like two black characters. Yeah. So they have to be the same person or related. I, I was thinking have the same that too thing. With, yeah. with Mr. Door, which is another thing where it's but, like. You know what? You know, it's. You know what? I I take your point, and I, I felt it too, but I think there is a wrinkle in that, and there's two there's two things that I think are, are really, really good. Um, there was one moment in particular that I'll, I'll, I'll get to in a second that really, really kind of made me feel like, okay, I'm, I'm playing a game that's made by people who have got a fucking brain in their head, and it's a relief. So I you, think we're... you meet the booker, the, the, the booker couple, you know, who are out in the woods. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you go and yeah. you go and interview them as as Saga, and um, to, to to that point you were making just before about how um, if games have like a, a a person of color character they somehow always end up being related like Alejandro and uh, what is her name Valeria in Modern Warfare Two right the two Mexican <laughs> characters like know each other um, yeah yeah and 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 they 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 have a shared past anyway. Um, but obviously, with the with that couple, the the bookers, uh, that isn't yeah. that isn't true, right? They 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 they're not related to like Mister Door or Saga. And then there's that line where she's doing that profiling thing that she does in in the mind place, mm-hmm. and she's you know you're kind of overhearing these like ethereal snippets of conversation that the two sheriff uh, the two sheriff deputies have. And, you know, one of them makes that comment about, like, you know, uh, why does she have to go and stick her nose in, you know, talking to that booker couple? And the other one says, well, you know, you know, those people, they all stick together. Yeah. And it's like, it's a fucking, like, dagger in your heart. It's like, oh, God. Because you're thinking it when you first meet those characters. And because of the character you're playing, you're thinking... I don't know how the game does it, but it makes you think, you know, they're, they're, they're talking behind my back. They're talking behind Saga's back, rather. And then they actually do it. And that, to have a game kind of like follow through on that is yeah. just it's such a fucking relief. Well, there's also, and, and I think, yes, I think that's 100% true. I think the game does... And I, I, you could make the argument, and the game actually, I think, does a better job than most that would try to make this argument. Well, it's a small town. Yeah. Uh, it's a small, like, European settled town that doesn't have a lot of, like, movement of people through it. So, you know, Watery is a, a Finnish town mm-hmm. uh, by these Finnish immigrants, and it's like a town of, like, 100 people or something. So it's not going to be very diverse. The game, I think, does actually, you're right, get away with that in terms of... Also, the Koskela brothers mm-hmm. even say, why couldn't we have just blamed this all on the bookers? Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, with the murder. They're, yeah. they're saying, like, let's just blame it on, like, the two black people in this town. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's, 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 it's mindful. And I think that's you know, this stuff in a as way intentional that... as them saying, like, 
the keep out of the woods stuff the i think there's a, an intentional kind of like darkness of a small town kind of thing which is a racial element too mm-hmm. that the game ties into itself i i think so too and i i i said i said before you know i'm relieved to see a game follow through with this it's it's, it's maybe like the wrong word to say like i'm relieved to see uh you know like depictions of racism but i think that what what games would normally do is just like completely sidestep the issue uh, and that to me becomes like way more kind of like questionable and um, sort of political. Well, it's, it's, it's like really, it's like immoral, you know, to, to kind of sidestep it. Um, and I think that the, the way this game, yeah, like deals with it, but without, it deals with it and it kind of addresses it and it, and it acknowledges it, but without getting sort of like ham fisted with it and, and kind of putting his hand up and saying, you know, look, we're, we're, we're dealing with this stuff. We're mindful of this stuff. Like, there's so many games that are so like earnest and determined that you see how kind of like mindful they're being of real world issues. That it becomes more about the game sort of celebrating itself than actually you know being any sort of like true to reality. Whereas I think this one walks the line very very well. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's that's completely fair. Um, um, so, but I guess yeah to talk about this kind of connected yes sorry stuff, go just ahead. To, which I, I we have talked about i do think oh. and i think this is like a point where to me this is one of the weakest part of the games even though i do think the game makes good on it i think it's it's treading on mighty thin ice though yeah. <laughs> with with the the inclusion of the control stuff specifically i think control because it's it's an ongoing, you know, it's an ongoing business mm-hmm. uh, deal. <laughs> there, a, a second control is going to come out. Uh, and, and that, you know, makes you a bit suspicious. I think it makes you a little bit wary of the control implementation. And I think at first you're like, it is a little like, okay, it's like cute. Mm. Uh, the first time it comes up when you have the, the guy in the woods it, fixing that thing. Yeah, he's fixing that little like spy, mm-hmm. essentially like the monitoring station. And you're like, okay, that's that's fine. Don't don't push it. <laughs> like, don't push it, game. And then they push it, mm-hmm. and uh, Ati shows up, and you're like, okay, I, I, okay, because he's he's a weird guy. He travels around. It's it's kind of fine. And then they're like, hey, listen, yeah, we're doing this, and we're doing it big. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, because you start getting into like you know the the other agent from Control. Uh, comes in mm-hmm. uh, from the bureau, the bureau in control, and they're like, you know, and then they're like telling you like Alan's like an operator and mm-hmm. Saga's an operator and and all this kind of stuff, and you're like, there is a set a point in this game where I was like, well, is this just a, a you know a control sequel by any other name? And I don't want that. I want you to do these discrete stories, right? Mm-hmm. And then they make good on it, like the stuff we were talking about. This very much is a game about you know your your sense of identity and your like reckoning with your artistic legacy and stuff as well um and and i think it pays off in that sense and i think the control stuff makes sense mm-hmm. and doesn't feel overly labored but i still think it could go wrong like very easily like i think they thread like they they walk a very thin high wire on this one and like <laughs> Yeah, they did it. They got to the other side, and I like it how it's done here. But I, I had just had the feeling like, 
can you guys do that again? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't know if it's like... I don't think it added much. So the way I look at it is... Um, I, I, I really... I, you know, I want to see Remedy to continue to make games. I, I, of course I do. And if creating some sort of shared universe, you know, uh, expedites that, then I will... Uh, that, that's fine. There are moments where you're kind of exploring the environments and you might come across a television set and suddenly it will kind of burst into life. And on the other end is that guy, Dr. Darling from Control. You know, mm-hmm. who wears the bow tie, who, who's played by Matthew Peretta, who voices Alan Wake, strangely enough. Um, yeah. And he kind of looks in the, in the like, almost like looking at you through the television. And then, yeah. and then he disappears, yeah? And there's like another couple of things that like you find one of his books that say something about, you know, the, the multiple dimension theory and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that, that, for me, that's enough. You've built a shared universe. You've got that. You've got Artie. Uh, you've made your connection. And it all, also works within the fiction because Alan is between dimensions and... Yeah, it makes sense of the federal... Is it the Federal Control Bureau or the Federal Bureau of Control? F- FBC. FBC. Bureau, Bureau of Control. It makes sense that they'd be mindful of this stuff. And that, to me, is, you know, you force your connection between games. You've you've started building your little multiverse. Um, so I don't really feel like the game benefits especially from the arrival. But having said the arrival of the FBC... Having said that, that sequence where Casey goes out into the woods and you're trying to find him and then the FBC show up and, like, take away Alan and, like, uh, you know, say, right, you know, this is all under our control now. I did actually feel like, in, in a very kind of, like, just straightforward, dramatic way, like, oh, God, this is all going wrong. There was that sort of moment yeah. where it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, you know, this is all being taken away from me and, no, they can't take it over. I want to get to the bottom of this. Um couple of things that bothered me about it specifically first of all i feel like the inclusion of all the control stuff is partially there to sort of justify and contextualize what are the absolute worst parts of this game which is when you finish a level and then it says the flood water has now evaporated you can go and explore the area if you want Mm, and mm. what you're doing is solving all of these little kind of puzzles and coming across all of these experiments that the fbc have set up that you can do mm. in this kind of like Metroidvania way. Go and read the lore. Go and do the puzzles. Go and unlock the areas that you can unlock now because you picked up, you know, the bolt cutters. Uh, and that to me feels like a lot of why the FBC stuff is there. It's just to create this, you know, the, the capital C content and the collectibles and the achievements and all of this yeah. unlockable bullshit. Um, those that was the moment when initially my heart kind of dropped because I'd just done that first kind of two hours that I talked about uh, wonderful and then that pop-up appears you know the floodwaters have evaporated you can now go and explore the area and it's like oh for fuck's sake do I have to luckily you don't have to um, I think I told you don't do it yeah and I didn't I, did, I think I, you told me that and I said just fucking ignore just it just fucking ignore like it <laughs> yeah I, if, I, if, I, I was like if you stop at this point because of that, it's going to be really. <laughs> I I did it. Miss a lot of good stuff. I took the first invitation, um, just to see what it was, and I, I never did it again. Never did it again. The other thing that bothered me about, and it's not necessarily the shared universe stuff; it's more the character, uh, the name of whom I forget. The 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 agent who you spend the most time with from the FBC. Um, 
Oh, what's her name? I forget her name. I have a cast open here. Uh, Estevez. Estevez, thank you. Um, so we were just talking, I was just making the point a second ago about how, you know, the game sort of gets his hands dirty with, you know, uh, issues of sort of, of, of race and racism and never sort of like puts his hand up to say like, look at us, we're the, you know, we're the progressive thinking man's game. The game does make a little bit too much effort to tell you that she's got a wife, or rather an ex-wife. Like you, you, oh yeah, you meet Alex Casey, and he says, "Yeah, I've just been talking to Estevez about you know swapping ex-wife stories." And it's like, okay, yeah. yeah, I get it. And then, and then you go back upstairs, and Estevez says something like, "You know, this is uh, this is exactly like my ex-wife said it would be." And then Casey says, "You, she doesn't deserve you, Estevez." And it's like. You know, there's something that gets about me that gets kind of deeply frustrated with that because um, I find it patronizing and and sort of cheap. And yeah, it, I think it's just sort of and it, it, it becomes more about the game sort of making a marketing point for itself. Um, it's well, it's one of those things where it's like this isn't. I I think they could have gotten away with just we were like complaining about our wives, basically. Yeah, right. You know, like. Yeah. And, and just leave it at that. Just keep moving. I think that's that's the way to do it because you don't want to... It's when... I, I know exactly what you mean. It's when it feels like the game is like... Is is reaching through the screen to say, look at me. Yes. Like, look at us. We're, we're good look guys. We're, 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 not. we're the good guys. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which is... You know, it's whatever. It's, it's hard to be like too outraged, but it's also... Uh, like obviously not outraged, but it's just clumsy. That's yeah. it, like that's the thing is it's just clumsy uh, writing. Uh, so on on that point, right? Now I I I messaged you. We were going to record this show a little bit later than we actually were recording it because I said I've got to go and do something. Um, that is coming up. Also, I might mention this in previous episodes. I need to sort this problem out. My laptop can either have the charger or the microphone. <laughs> it can't have both. Uh, so my laptop battery is is starting to dwindle. But there's still a, there's still a couple of things that I wanted to just talk about. <laughs> okay, uh, just tell me when it gets when it gets when it's, di- it's like when it gets dire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned clumsy writing. Um, of all the stuff that we've discussed, right, um, and more, like the the game talks too much. The dialogue is quite is is sometimes quite repetitive. Um, there's there's a few moments in it that are like, uh, oh god, this feels very video game in a, in a sort of pejorative sense. But what I will say about Alan Wake too is that in all of those cases, uh, I can see the sort of bigger picture and be like, yeah, but it, it's still doing this or it's doing that because, and you know, you just need to give it a little bit of breathing room. But the mind place, writers board, profiling stuff. What did you think of all of that? I think it's fine. Okay. I think on. it's fine. I, I think I think actually what you wrote is a good clarification of kind of why I thought it was fine. I thought it was a little bit... At times I was like, this is a little bit like a, an in-game encyclopedia too much. Uh-huh. But, but then they use it in interesting ways as if they're like, we don't want it to feel too much like an in-game encyclopedia. I think... It, in some senses, you could almost read it as a crutch to be like, the player is going to get confused. 
Yeah. Because we are trying to confuse them. Let's give them a sense so they don't they don't get frustrated that they can at least remember all the confusing bits of all of this. Mm-hmm. And they can have a sense of satisfaction as if they're understanding the story when it's not fully explicable at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, with with the kind of connections and the kind of dopamine of of like a case closed kind of thing. That said, I don't I don't think it's like I don't think it's objectionable. And I think like what you wrote, I think it makes perfect sense as these characters essentially because this is what people do, right? Mm-hmm. It's you it's when life is overwhelming and you're fucking stressed out and just normal life, you might sit and make a list of things to do, mm-hmm. of things that need to get done so you can kind of take the the chaos of everything and boil it down into something actionable and discreet. Um, and I think that makes sense. And I think that makes sense thematically as well. With Alan trying to change it and Saga just trying to like essentially like bore through it to some kind of like truth that she can accept. Mm-hmm. So to me that makes sense. Um, the Alan stuff is obviously more interesting in terms of when it changes things in the actual environment. Um, yeah, what did you think of it? I Yeah, so I think... Having to kind of paraphrase my own article here because I can't actually remember what I said, but I think that it, it works for the game. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, but there are a lot of occasions, more occasions than in other games that have kind of similar, um, you know, conceits and pretenses. It works for it in a pacing sense, as in there is something important I think to the characterization of both our our leads here that they are introspective and looking inward. Um, because the game, mm-hmm. the game is about that on a on a, you know, on a on a bigger um, palette, and so those moments where they're kind of thinking to themselves, talking to themselves, and you're kind of physically uh, mapping that process uh, doesn't feel kind of as uh, as redundant, I guess, as it might in in other games. Um, I think that one of the things that bothered me about it and this is by no means unique to Alan Wake 2 but it is something that if we're going to be talking about Alan Wake 2 as you know uh, a kind of step forward in some sense or a kind of not step forward always makes it sound like there's some kind of like objective end yeah. goal but you, yeah, know, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean as as doing yeah. something that you know is 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 not traditional and is maybe a bit of a breath of fresh air I think one of the things that games do and do very much and fucks up their writing all the time is they are constantly having to remind the player what's going on, or they feel they have to constantly remind the player what's going on. It's why, like, mm-hmm. Alex Vance is always saying, hey, Gordon, over here. Uh, it's why you've got, like, the yellow paint all over the place in Resident Evil 4. Um, fuck, what was I playing? You know, Call of Duty. You know, follow me, Corporal. And then you stand still for, like, yeah. two seconds to reload your gun. Come on, we got to get to the... we got to get to the bunker, <laughs> right? And most of... The kind of writer's board mind play stuff was Saga or Alan telling me stuff that I already understood. And it's not because I'm not saying that in a kind of like because I'm some sort of like particularly intelligent, perceptive, forward thinking. No, they're boiling down. They're boiling down what you already know. Like, so you've maybe like seen the two sheriff deputies wearing the masks or something. And then you go into the mind place and do the profiling, and then Saga will be like, that the deputies are with the cult of the tree and it's like it's it's really just we've got to keep the audience because i guess there must be some kind of 
there must be some kind of like existential panic among game makers where they think, fuck, you know, we are going to be selling this essentially to the, the same people who bought Fortnite and, and play Minecraft. Like, they are gamers. That, uh, it, it, ipso facto, we've got to make this, like, completely fucking idiot-proof. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I wish is... that wasn't the case, right? I, I, I don't think you're going to change anything if you just keep kind of reaching down. Like, it should be up to the audience to kind of reach up a little bit. There's a great... A great quote from David Simon, whose whose work I've kind of cooled on over the years. Like when when you're a teenager, The Wire is you know like your bible, and then you you get a bit older and you kind of think, well, no, The Sopranos is definitely better. Um, mm-hmm. But when when he did that show Treme, which was not very good, um, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> like the foolish young man watches The Wire and says, you know, The Sopranos is more fun, but The Wire is better. It's show. more it's more important. Yeah. But the the wiser, <laughs> you know, you become an adult when you watch The Sopranos and realize it actually is the superior show. It's, it's this, smarter. Yeah. It has more to say. Yeah, the, the Sopranos is you know old bull. Uh, Wire is young bull. Um, That's right. But in that 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 show Treme, which I I didn't think was very good, but makes a lot of quite um, again sort of like unexplained or esoteric references to to peculiars or particularities of New Orleans culture and david simon i think was asked in an interview you know do you worry about kind of leaving the audience behind and his response was well you know everyone's got the internet now so if you're watching the show like look look it up right um yeah i've I've said this to you a million times too it's like the thing of like you play metal gear solid when you're a kid i don't know what kurdistan is i'm gonna look it up yeah you know it's like it's like come on and i'd like that i'd like that a little bit more in video games like i don't need to keep going back into this it like it, it it does feel like Entering, you're literally entering a room where the game sits you down, and just explains what's going on, and then you go back to playing the game. Um, and I, but then they kind of they kind of break it in an interesting way toward the end too, right? Where sure. the profiling ends up coming through, and I, I do think they they make good on it. Again, yeah. it's one of those things where you can look at it side eyed, and then you're like, at the end of it, they're like, okay, they they are going to kind of justify. Which is maybe something to say about this game as a whole is like it very much feels like something where they thought about these things, like mm. they they were aware of what they were making, and and not just in a how enjoyable is this for the player, also in a does this fit with what we're saying here, mm. what we're trying to communicate. I think you that know? yeah, you're absolutely right. I think while I was playing, I was thinking, God, there's quite a lot to tie up here, and there's quite a lot of like bagginess, and there's quite a lot of. Um, it worked. It, it, but it I works. Like, it ultimately, work. ultimately, I think it works. Yeah, I got to the end of that game and I felt, I felt satisfied. I was like, no, that that it brings it home. Um, what did you think? Very. I know we have to be sort of a little bit abridged here, so I'll just say it too. What, what did you think about the Alice Wake stuff with the? Uh, that that to me that bothered me that we get a mid credit scene where, you know. Yeah, I kind of wish that wasn't there because so I thought right. that was, I thought that was dark yeah and dramatically made sense in a way that i was like this is actually very disturbing and in a way that i think not like oh it's so cool it's so disturbing (laughs) i was like her her killing herself is of course she did and it's tragic you know and it is something that alan then has to live with you know and it i i thought that decision also there's like a weird little like kind of like hangover of 
when you're like ultimately this is a story i guess about a guy whose wife was stolen from him kind of like how max Payne is if you boil it down is about a guy who's like you know it's like the their women were taken from them and so they have to get them back or or enact vengeance Mm -hmm. and i thought that was sort of like a her suicide when you when you think that's how it played out i thought it was like well that's kind of like really heartrending mm-hmm. in a way that I thought was like that that is the the darkness that this game is reaching toward mm-hmm. in terms of when it's when it's saying we're going dark um in terms of like emotionally like you feel for Alan you're like that is horrible and you feel for Alice the whole idea of her living in this place and being like haunted like very literally in her photographs and everything I thought all that was really powerful mm-hmm. And then they snatch it away, and I'm just like, uh, I know I, I, that I, that last slideshow of her, you know, on the cliff, and then you know you get the message. Uh, oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's, it's it's really like Lake Mungo kind of stuff. Um, uh, that actually, I was thinking of Lake Mungo with the photographs too. Yeah, with that, yeah. Um, and then yeah, they snatch it away because she's got to be there for the third one if it if it happens. And they also snatched away with Alan as well, which I thought. Yeah, uh, which is that I think you can defend a bit more because, you know, the spiral, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. This is which it kind of opens you to a more hellish possibility than before, right? The, mm-hmm. This this is not a loop. This is a spiral. It, it's in some ways you're like, come on, don't do the it's not a lake. It's an ocean thing again, which is a killer line. Uh, but I do like what it means. Mm. But I also did like the idea that he's, he's like, yeah, kill me. This mm, is mm, this mm, is how we get out of this. Yeah, I am. I fucking you know we didn't talk so much about this, but this game's also very good at not beating you over the head with it. But this man hates himself. Mm, you know, mm. you spend the entire game with him being like, I hate myself. Mm. Everything's my fault, and I realize it's my fault, and yet I can't escape obsessing about myself, which I think is like a very good portrayal of depression and Mm. you know that feeling of uh i hate that i'm obsessed with myself so i'm going to obsess with about About, myself in order to in order to fix hating myself but now i'm thinking about myself you hate you you hate yourself so you obsess over yourself so you hate the fact that you obsess over yourself and you obsess over the fact that you hate obsessing over yourself yeah and you know and it's like yeah, his his whole like it's the dark a, place thing and it, all of that. It's is a like, spiral. It's a spiral. Yeah, and I I think all that stuff is again like they don't beat you over the head with it. They don't make a meal out of it. They mm. present it to you and allow you to feel it right. And uh, yeah, and I, I kind of thought I don't know. I wondered too if there's maybe there was a portion that's like maybe this seems like it suggests that suicide is the answer to your problems, and it's like. That's not a great message. I, but I, I think it was. It's not so much suicide, is it? It's like sacrifice. Um, well, that well, that's the thing. But then, do you run into the problem of you can paint it as sacrifice? You know, to like I I, I do wonder if there was a, a bit of like, is this we're suggesting something we don't want to suggest here? Hmm. And not in like a cowardly like we're getting our hands I mean, slapped by I, epic. It's it's. I I kind of felt like. I felt like his death was, you know, inverted commas death, um, was like no different from, uh, you know, you go, I'll hold them back. 
kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not suicide. It's like I am willing to die. Like the only way that this gets better is if I die, for not just not just for me, but for you, for everyone. So, yeah, I'm I, I, I'm willing to die. But then he doesn't die anyway. Um, there's that. The, the, but this is something that it, it, since we are talking now about the finale, it equivocates on on that. It equivocates on Alice. And then there's also the cliffhanger about whether Saga's daughter actually, you know, is or isn't uh, alive or dead. Um, she should have just picked up the phone. I did you? I think you might have written that, and I was like, yeah. You I, just want to hear her say "mom" or something, right? Like perfect ending, the perfect yeah. ending, rather than this Inception spinning top thing, right? But in any other game, this kind of equivocating and and what is obviously leaving some things open so that there is um, capacity for a sequel, I think would bother me much more than it did here. Even though it equivocates, like you were saying, it still works. It's st- they still bring it home. It still feels like we've, like well, we've gotten somewhere. They don't compromise what they're saying, though, which I think is mm. maybe why it, it works. The message at the end is so... There's such clarity to it, which is, again, I was like, this is not going to, like, how is this going to work? There's there's too much happening here. Um, and they do it. I think they do, again, I keep, I think I messaged you, I was like, this is, this is like another Sons of Liberty. Mm. I think this game, so much of it, and I, I wrote about that in a, a little bit. But it's, uh, I think this game, though, does, it leaves on a similar note. Yeah. saying you know you can't deal with this how do you deal with it you you cut through the whole tangle and you say i'm gonna give a shit about something or somebody Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and you say that is a place that you can at least have like a focal point that's going to guide you toward something when everything else is impossible Mm -hmm. is and then i think you know the idea of alan saying kill me or you know or or him saying essentially like i'm the one who needs to die so this stops is him saying i am not I am understanding I'm not living within my own head because that's not helping anything. Mm-hmm. That's not how you get anywhere. And so do this and then we can, you at least and other people can move on. Mm-hmm. It's selflessness, right? It's, it's exactly. It's, it's like Christ-like essentially. It's, um, uh, which I think there's also a whole thing about Mr. Scratch being his double. And I think there is a, a, a wee bit of, uh, we got, we got a little Christ and Satan. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 the heroin. The hotel thing literally says double uh, devil, doesn't it? So, well, and I think they even make it apparent too. I think at one point they're like scratch. That's that's, that's an old name, name for, for Satan. The devil, yeah. <laughs> and but I think it 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 all works though too because Scratch goes around and he fucking just he's like do what thou wilt, you know, mm-hmm. and and the the implication of that is everything is just like a mess like a horrible like nothing nobody knows what anything is yeah it's, it's essentially saying like the satan of modern day is yeah, yeah is complete yeah. chaos which is like the miltonian satan is chaos right mm-hmm. it's the, the erroneous bosh satan yeah yeah just complete like how do you do anything in that place and alan uh is is a person who is generative with his like his mm abilities to do things and he says i'm going to die to stop you from doing this yeah to, to stop this from being this way to, to bring some um, order to things yeah to like close things yeah which i i yeah 
I don't know. Anyway, I think it. I think the way it ends kind of makes that. I, despite the kind of like dangling stuff or or the, um, yeah, that equivocation. I think it it comes through so clearly at the end that I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I kind of felt like you're tacking on things I don't really need now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it felt like it was some like, you know, denouement in the story, and I was like, I'm. I'm reading it, but I don't care. Yeah, of course. you've already you've already done you finished already. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> now I was going to use a really, really, really horrible metaphor there, uh, which I'm not going to do. Yeah, you're. <laughs> I'm done, but you're still going. You can probably think about like the kind of metaphor. I was. I was thinking of yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we are now we're we're at kind of like laptop battery crunch point. Um, <laughs> now we've been going a good ninety minutes here, so. Um, but I want to just do I want to do something quickly because there's so much in this game and we have talked about a lot and obviously we're going to have um, we're going to have a lot of articles up on it as well uh, or probably already mm-hmm. have but no I'm going to edit this pretty rapidly anyway fuck it um, uh, some postmodern behind the curtain <laughs> how it's all made here at bullet points uh, there how the magic happens um, I just wanted to, to finish off because there's so much in this game and there's some like little bits that are really really notable maybe don't warrant like a big discussion maybe like just three or four kind of quick fire i really like that bit i really like that bit can you give me any more yeah. examples of stuff that you really like i like that Ati ends up being this and this is maybe cheating a little bit because authorial input when i was talking to sam like he said the Ati represents to him a certain kind of man a certain kind of finnish man like an archetype uh-huh. and when i was playing this game it something became kind of clear to me that there is elements of the idea of like the ideal masculine that I think is a man growing older and thinking about these things of how to be. I think there are elements about masculinity that are in all the games that I think are not the forefront, but they are there and they're present of of how to be, uh, (laughs) reconcile traditional shitty modes of masculinity with, with these and i think ati is comes through in this as this sort of wise but like funny Mm -hmm. and like stern but but not cold Mm -hmm. and he he loves art he loves singing you Mm -hmm. know and he loves his culture but he's not a bigot and like there are all these things that came through with him when i and i think it you know again it's like kind of cheating because person who wrote him was saying this is what i think of him so it made me kind of see him or, or guided me toward seeing him in this way. But I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. I thought that stuff is interesting in there. And it's a, a deep vein to mine. I think across remedies work is, is I don't know if you would get as much about femininity if you're kind of looking through it. I think you may, but I think there's, and, I, and I'm not saying it's some like, you know, progressive, perfect, look at masculinity i'm saying it's interesting and it's there and i think it's, it's preoccupation a, a, in all their work a different type of man that character than you usually get in video games um yeah um yeah and, 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 and also as, as like an older man too precisely it's interesting yeah yeah you've got you've got heavy set man and older man in this game um yeah two two different yeah men, two different man types can I, yeah, just following on that too, another quick thing I like. That oh. opening is is one of the strongest openings in a video game in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, 
and it's really easy to, you know, you go, ha ha, he's, he's got his, his weenies out. Yeah. And he's, and he's a big guy and he's his, running around. His peep, his peepily. That's, <laughs> that, that's the Finnish word. They, the, one of the Koskula brothers uses it in one of their joke little adverts. <laughs> yeah. The peepily. His peepily. <laughs> but, uh, I was not thinking that when I was playing that. I was thinking, this is great. This yeah. has, in, in the way that PT has the texture of a nightmare. Yeah. That has the texture of a nightmare. Who I, I did not make you smarter man than I or something. I did not know he was Nightingale at the beginning. I was just no, 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 nor me, nor me. I thought um, I was playing as some kind of like weird manifestation of Alan Wake, who's like, you know, in in the yeah, dark I, place. He's in like a different body or something. Yeah. The only thing is, I thought, oh well, that's probably Cauldron Lake that mm-hmm, he's coming out mm-hmm, of. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that thing, the the lighting, and he looks kind of like a corpse but you're scared for him too even mm. though he, you're like this guy is about to die yeah and just the way he sort of like and the nudity like you can just feel like the ground being too hard on his bare feet or mm-hmm. like the pine needles would like hurt against his skin and stuff like i just think and in terms of like everything that the game is going to go of just opening and just saying like what the fuck's happening here it's it- this disorienting is, and frightening how often does do, you know games games are not good at opening on a question they open with like a mission briefing and you know yeah a, yeah a text crawl and like even the cutscene before the main menu is like you know the planet Sisria is under attack from the <laughs> nephilons and um yeah like it just opens on a question and like just you know it's it's, it's not it's, it's a gimmick and it's like not that sort of uh, you know, genius or anything, but it just it just instantly makes you switch on because you're just like, okay, what what's going on? I'm I'm, I'm invested straight away because I'm you know curious. Um, well, when you think about it, it's like it's a very old yeah, storytelling trick. Absolutely, right? just open open and be like, hey, what's going on here? What's going on? And here? it's it's a quick little snapshot. It's a man running through the woods and he gets killed. Yeah, you know, like oh. it's it opens everything, but it's yeah, so, it, it just works really well. Okay, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do two quick ones then. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, my, my laptop is now screaming at me. Right. So, uh, number one, uh, you get a classic side-by-side shotgun, full length in this game. Yeah. The best-looking gun ever. Um, uh, Call of Duty has fucked that gun up forever. They make it really... They, it sounds bad. The reload is really quick. Uh, and they do, like, the akimbo sawn-off shotguns. Crap. Rubbish. In... Red Dead Redemption 2, in Alan Wake 2, the side-by-side shotgun, which is the coolest-looking gun, sounds great, feels great, proper, like, reload time, more games. I really hope that when they do the Max Payne remakes that they're working on, yeah, we get this fucking gun, right? Uh, and the com- as, the, as the pump action? A- 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 alongside. You, 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 can, you can choose. Okay. You okay. get, you get so your. They had your sawn off and your pump, right? In, in the pain. in the original, yeah. I'd rather have a full length double barrel, uh, okay. and maybe uh, maybe a pump action shot. And actually, uh, as a as a kind of footnote to that, some pretty good like body physics work here, like dead but like sh- being shot, you know, bullet reaction. Some good bits where yeah. you get a like, shotgun blast in the chest, and they kind of f- like off their feet, you know, fly back and stuff like this. Um, yeah. So that was a tick for me. And then the the unsung character, the unsung hero, is Rose. 
yeah the waitress the, uh... at the diner and the nurse at the retirement home who seems to know you know something and is like on another planet and it's just like such a great performance like she's kind of eerie but she's funny but she's knows something she, but she's keeping it from you and then she, she loves alan wake she loves alan right wake and then kind of it turns out that she's basically like one of the goodies um even though she seems kind of sinister and like she's plotting something actually she's just just a bit kind of doofy um yeah i really liked any scene that 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 she was in um uh you did i thought you were going to mention this as well side note uh you you did point this out and it's true any game where when your character is holding their gun by their side as they're running so yeah you have the pistol and then this is a a rock star special i think it was is maybe the term for it mm-hmm. you know, like max Payne three um red dead i think gta 5 did it too yeah yeah you're you, you want to see that they're the, the shotgun's not disappearing the long guns are not disappearing into nowhere yeah they have to be held and that's yeah they, they can be held max Payne three is the daddy where canaan Le- lynch too canaan lynch too well. yeah where if you if you're using the shotgun and you draw your pistol, the shotgun goes down by the side. He's holding that in one hand and firing the pistol with another. Fantastic, love it. And like the flashlight is, no. Yep. Yeah. Um, guns. There should there should no longer be. You're not allowed. Your character cannot carry a gun in a cannot possess a gun in a game unless the game shows it being physically stored upon their person. That's correct. That, that's 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 the rule. And if there's a good one in Max Payne three where uh, if you're firing the assault rifle and then you switch to the pistol when he's holding it and then you need to reload the pistol, he tucks the assault rifle under his arm yeah. while he like you know rechambers the revolver or something and then he carries it again. That is that's the rule from now on in yep. third person shooting. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. So uh, one more each. Uh, you got one more. Uh, um, one more each. Oh god. Um, uh, you do yours. Did you up? Uh, I'm just gonna say live action Yotun Yo, Yotun Yo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Pretty good film. Pretty good film. Yeah, yeah worth, I, I, worth I, staying in the theater to watch in that level. Yeah, I had Alan standing there the whole time. Yeah. And uh, uh, they achieved what they wanted to with the feel of that thing, too. And, like, the poster art for it, it was all very, like, yeah, sort of um, 60s, 70s, like, European art film. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, like, very good, too. It made a lot of things kind of cohere in... It's not surprising Lake talks about David Lynch. And I think a lot of people talk about David Lynch. I think he actually understands what makes David Lynch work. Yes. The, the kind of thing of things cohere in a dreamlike fashion. Um, it's not just about being and, weird. No, it's it's not. It's He understands the point of it, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the aesthetic value of, of kind of like confusion and, and dreamlike stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I like that a lot. I thought it... It came. It comes at a point in the story too, where you're like, "There's too much, maybe too much happening," and then it kind of makes things make sense when you see like the guy who plays Ati like 
as a character in that and you see Sam Lake in it and mm-hmm. yeah it just works I've got, anyway. my, I've got my last one and then we're gonna have to we are gonna have to just cut off pretty abruptly my last one is this uh, you know those people who have like a Triforce tattoo or you know they've got like Mario Amiibos or they collect those like Funko Pop things right and they love yeah. such and such my version of that is Sam Lake's face James McCaffrey's voice Seeing yeah, it's perfect. Seeing Max basically Max Payne back again, not uh, not Max Payne two, not Max Payne three, Max Payne back again. Yeah, the I, proper Max Payne. The proper. I got a fucking kick out of that. I get a kick out. Is I I love every look of Max Payne. Yeah, I think each each one, two, and three all great. Mm-hmm. That is Max Payne though. That is and Max. To see Payne, it. Yeah. And I think this also leaves us on a good note because this podcast will probably return when yes, they do of course. Max Payne 1 and 2, which I am uh, very excited. I doubt they're going to have Sam Lake's face on him, but they should. Oh, they should. They should at least have the option. I don't know. Like it's they should, like, an unlockable or something. They will. If yeah, nothing else, it'll on. be like... They've already got the character like, model, you know? Yeah, just slap that, that pain face on there. I wonder if it'll be sort of like a young James McCaffrey. Like mm. sort of like... Like the uh, Jersey parts of Max Payne three, but sort of like a little younger. Mm. They take up the sort of shape and his his face, but then yeah, they they use technology to make him young. Use technology mm. <laughs> to all make right. us all young. That was Violent Shapes. Uh, we will be back presumably with this show, like you're saying, maybe a couple of years with uh, Max Payne one and two. Crying God willing, and the creek don't rise. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, be sure to check out bulletpointsmonthly.com this month where we're going to have um, a series of articles on Alan Wake 2. And this is a subscriber podcast, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know if this should be free for people. No. I don't know. Okay, no. You're a subscriber. If you're listening to this, you're a subscriber. Thank you very much for subscribing. Um, and Bullet uh, points. Be- what about this? How about this for an ending? Yeah. Wait, you got one already? What no, if I no, no. You- bullet points. It's not a podcast. It's a website. Perfect. <laughs> it's a whole Perfect. It's a whole website. Perfect. Go and check out our Call of Duty podcast series as well if you're a subscriber um, to hear much less spirited discussion about a very different type. He began of to game. undermine my last point by mentioning another podcast. I'm equipped. <laughs> I would have to go back to my typewriter and change that reality. And at the same time, I would make it a different kind of person maybe irish would be a lot nicer <laughs> at least welsh the pod the pod the podcast move around me now ed would be irish <laughs> all right we're well, gonna fucking end the podcast here oh no oh no we'll have to write around that too no one wants to hear an english guy doing I, it. I had to rewrite the podcast so ed wouldn't do that fucking accent <laughs> all I right keep, I keep rewriting bye bye I got the poison, I got the remedy, I got the post of the rhythmical remedy. I got the poison, I got the remedy, I got the post of the rhythmical remedy. I got the poison, I got the remedy, I got the poison, I got the remedy, I got the pressure, the pressure.